slum, slum, gullion, slum, gullion, we've got season two of the slum, gullion, Jeff and Scott still host the slum, gullion, I still don't know what that word means. And welcome to the slum, gullion, America's only podcast. I'm half your host, Scott. The other half of your host is Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Scott. I am the other half of a host. I just or am said... I a third today? I'm a third today. Actually, yes, that's right. We we have to recut the pie because we are also joined by Mary, the infamous Mrs. C, who's here to talk Yay. about a movie we all watched. Well, we watched it again last night because of a phone call I got from Jeff after he watched it. Why don't you give us a little pricey of what that call was like? All right. So going through Netflix, doing the, oh, God, what do I want to watch? What do I want to watch? And there's only so much is it take that I can deal with. Understood. And and will it fit? I, I couldn't find on Netflix. So eventually I, I, I stumbled upon The Adam Project. Yes, we're talking about The Adam Project. Uh, I, I, I'd heard about it. I knew it was Ryan Reynolds. I knew it was Mark Ruffalo. And I knew it was time travel. And yes, I say it that way on purpose. It is, it is well documented. Me and time travel don't get along well. But I said, why not? You know, I mean, it's Mark, Re- Mark Reynolds. I think Mark Reynolds is their portmanteau. Uh, that, that, yes, yes. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. Now I got the visual image of that, and it's frightening. Um, It's Ryan Reynolds. It's Mark Ruffalo. It could be fun. What the hell? But here's the thing, especially with me and time travel. I called Scott, and I said, I can't believe how much I like this thing. (laughs) I think my reaction was exactly the same. I think I laughed then, too. I I am legitimately stunned by how much I enjoyed it and am also legitimately stunned and I'll get this out of the way right now uh, as I told Scott my least favorite parts of this movie were the action scenes <laughs> I was stunned. I mean, I thought at least the shooty boom booms would make me happy, but I was much more interested in the, and I can't believe I'm saying this for a time travel movie, the characters. I really liked all the characters. I thought there was a really interesting comedy drama time travel thing there that just every so often got ruined with the, with the, with action scenes. Not that I thought the action scenes were bad, but I do know what you mean because it was a departure from what was gripping me about the film. And in fact, the film is not about time travel, except in the sense that we're all time travelers when we get to a certain age, because we can't help looking back on our childhood and regretting things we did, regretting things we didn't do, regretting moments that we allowed to get away from us, and just regretting the loss of the relationship we have with our parents after they're gone The theme of the movie is really all about addressing those issues. Time travel is just the device. I agree. Again, I was legitimately shocked, and I was also equally equally shocked by how every time there was an action scene, I felt pulled out of it. Mm. Actually pulled me out of the movie. And again, separately, I can look at them and go, they're they're well staged, you know? I mean, I can't say they're bad action scenes, but I was like, they didn't need to be there. Yeah, they were well choreographed. They were well animated. The effects were good. It was all very believable. You got to see Zoe Saldana be a badass again, which is generally fun. But I have to agree that it felt obligatory. 
in some sense. Not, not like they were just going through the motions, but like somebody said, okay, we need to plug in an action sequence here. We need to accelerate the pace. We need a few gags here and there. By gags, I don't mean jokes because there were plenty of those. I mean stunts. And there's a little bit of following the standard template for this kind of thing. But the movie kept wanting, or at least it felt to me like the movie kept wanting to break out of that. And a few times it seems like it actually did. That I completely forgot what kind of movie I was, I had ostensibly clicked on. A time travel action adventure. Eh, I mean, yeah, there's elements of that, but that's not the major part of it. That's not really what caught me and, and pulled me in and kept me for the runtime of the film. And how long was it, actually? Do we know? <laughs> it's a mystery, and I'm and not... You're usually Mr. Information. You should have this on hand. It's funny. I didn't I, I didn't look up anything about it this time, and I don't know why. I guess usually when we see something, I've got some kind of complaint. So I'm going to go, all right, who was the idiotic director of photography? Or what morons wrote this piece of crap? And... Uh, it's funny. I, I, I lose any sense of curiosity about about movies that sustain my interest. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but let's let's find out. I genuinely want to know. Anyway, as he as he is typing, Mrs. C, so your your thoughts. What did you think of it? I loved it just as much as I did when I first saw it, right from the opening credit song. Oh right. It's a got a it's got a great soundtrack. It's got a great soundtrack. I love seeing who I'm now calling Galora, her poor man, <laughs> her two best characters ever. <laughs> Laura and Gamora, right? I get it. Yeah, okay. Galora. <laughs> I, I I see it. As it was going, and we're watching it, I said, "Well, I know what my most irritating is, and I know what my most fascinating is." Now let me just enjoy the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got them that quickly, eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Jeff, the runtime is an hour and forty-six minutes. Okay. All right. So it did not. It, it it wasn't super long. It was within. It was within the right realm of length for a film of the style. Exactly. Now sometimes movies like this, I feel like, oh, I wish I'd seen it on the big screen. But there was so much character stuff in it that really it, it was not necessary. It would have felt it would have felt small on the big screen because while there were action sequences, they were pretty succinct. There weren't a, a ton of them, and they didn't last very long. Not like five minutes, six minutes, eight minutes of crashes and explosions. Usually it was like a minute, minute and a half. Sometimes a movie will show up on Netflix and you'll think, this has a star-studded cast. They obviously spent some money on the production. It looks pretty good. The effects are nice. Why did this end up on Netflix? Well, it often ends up on Netflix because Netflix is richer than Croesus and pays for it. But... In this case, it, it, it would have been fine. I, I would have been satisfied if I saw it on the big screen, but there was no need to. The action sequences, while regularly occurring, they were pretty succinct. They relied more on suspense. Twice, they, they put the screws to the audience. Will he or won't he be able to make the jump into another time before he's blown up by the jet that's pursuing him? There were a few gun battles. There was a car chase with guys on little hoverboards. Fisticuffs. There were fisticuffs. All of them were fine, as you say, well-staged, perfectly credible action sequences. But the bulk of the film, I feel, was mostly the relationship stuff, the character stuff, the coming to terms with your past stuff, which makes it seem sort of like a doer movie of the week. But it was actually pretty funny all the way through. And the kid that they cast to play a young Ryan Reynolds, I swear is going to grow up, find Ryan Reynolds as an adult, kill him, and wear his skin. 
because it was that eerie That's dark. of an impersonation. <laughs> Well, I'm like the kid when he, yeah. he he says the line. Oh, really? That's where your mind goes right away. You're dark, kid. <laughs> yeah, this movie speaks to me. <laughs> yeah, it was funny um, when I was watching the Red Notice. I was thinking, okay, I like Ryan Reynolds, but I really would like to see him not play himself in a movie. And in this film, we had two of them. Yes. <laughs> I'm not saying it's like bad. Again, it's not, but it, it's just it's just funny. The kid was the kid was amazing. I, 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 I yeah, I, I do agree with you on the skin wearing thing. Actually, and you know how I feel generally about child actors. Yes. So yes. the fact that he did not annoy me at all at any point is an astonishing tribute to him. More precious than any Academy Award. Yeah. The other joke. No slap necessary. Yeah. The other joke that I said is now now I, I, I need I, I need a Deadpool Bruce Banner scene. Well, here's the thing. When, when I talked about their portmanteau, I mean, really, Deadpool is the only Marvel character that the Hulk could successfully fuck because he can he can heal from anything. If he can heal from a, from somehow a, they got to put that in the next movie, right? I, no, I, fingers, no. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, maybe not. But I mean, if he can heal from a rocket propelled grenade shot through his sternum, he can probably deal with the Hulk stick. Or losing his uh, his, his lower half. <laughs> I just wanted wholesome camaraderie and quips. You had to go to the dark place. I did. I'm sorry, but that's where I live, man. I live in the dark place. I have a something to say about seeing it on the big screen. I kind of think that it wouldn't have been, I would have probably been looking at the young, oh gosh, what's her name? The actress's name who played the bad guy. Oh, Catherine Keener. Yeah. I would have been looking at the young Catherine Keener going, Uncanny Valley? It wasn't a terrible de-aging effect, but there were a few. There have been worse. There have been far worse, but there were a few seams showing that yeah. would have been, you're right, would have been worse. Uh, on a that, movie would have screen. T- that would have distracted me if I'd seen it on the big screen. Right. And it, when they did show it, they looked bad enough on 4K. So seeing it on 4K and on the big screen, yeah, that would be absolutely just, just yeah. <laughs> if it had gotten a big screen release, they probably would have spent some more money to clean up those effects. But if it's going to be on TV, who cares? And the action scenes probably would have been much longer. Oh, the action scenes absolutely would have been much longer. And any distributor would have demanded that. It, it's funny because we've been trained how to watch these movies... Our guest last week, Sam Lasky, was talking about how they deliberately constructed their very weird show in a way that instructed the audience on how to watch it. And we've all been trained by Marvel movies and basically just like action movies going back to the 80s. So if you're sitting in a theater, you you kind of mentally count the action scenes. You kind of feel like, okay, I've been sitting here for 10 minutes. Something should be blowing up. Sitting on your couch, you don't feel that at all. At least I don't. So you approach it with a different set of expectations, I think. I don't know. I really felt that in Dune. About the third hour in, I really wanted something to start blowing up. I absolutely agree with you. (laughs) Less mysticism, more messes. (laughs) That sounds like a paper towel commercial. I, I I like it. I I do. I I, I like it. Well, as, as I, I say, because really, we all liked it. There really isn't that. I mean, it, it doesn't really go too 
deep into anything. I mean, it, 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 it lets you it lets you think. It's light. It's frothy. Um, I say we go to fascinating, irritating. Unless anybody has anything, something specific else they want to bring up. I will do the irritating first because it's the fastest one. Okay. Uh, irritating. What was irritating? There was nothing irritating. I looked. Okay. And there was nothing irritating. So that was irritating. <laughs> now let me go to the good That's one. That's awesome. <laughs> but fascinating. While I'm watching it, in, in those those scenes that are not action scenes, but those kind of wistful scenes of somebody who, uh, even though that famous person said, you can't go home again. Thomas Wolfe. Thank you, Thomas Wolfe. And I was first struck by, by those times when he sees his mom, when he sees his dad. And it reminded me of two movies made actually quite a long time ago that also had something to do with time travel in some nominal way. Thinking Peggy Sue got married when he first okay. sees his, his mom and he's like out the window. You can kind of see him. He, suddenly he's that little boy again and he's seeing his mom. It, it reminded me of Kathleen Turner's excellent performance where she's suddenly she answers the phone and it's her grandmother who's been dead for decades and decades and, and just how her entire demeanor changes. And I think we said that Roger Ebert and uh, Jesus, yeah, they, how they said that um, such an amazing piece of acting where no makeup, nothing from being a teenager and acting like one to suddenly whew, all those years caught up on her and you could see it in her face. And then there was Field of Dreams, particularly at the end when they were having the game of catch because that's basically what the Field of Dreams was supposed to do. It was supposed to give Kevin Costner a chance to play a game of catch with his dad. I thought that those were really touching moments in a, what was kind of supposed to be a funny action <laughs> and wonderfully acted. I agree. And, and you also called out at the time the scene in the bar where Mom, who's just... Yes. At her wit's end from trying to deal with this kid who's oh, no. problematic. Well, he's a young Ryan Reynolds. Imagine how irritating that would be to have to live with. Um, <laughs> and she goes in to get a glass of wine. <laughs> She's a wine mom in some local Blarney Stone. He's already there. And she's complaining to the bartender about her son. Complaining, but not complaining, but taking it back. Oh, he's going to drive me crazy. Oh, but he's a good kid. You know, that kind of thing. And he sort of butts into the conversation. And as Mary said, in any sort of wacky comedy involving time travel, you know, there would have been a, yeah. a, a, a smattering of... Um, misdirected romance. Uh, misdirected romance oh, okay. is, a, is a much better way of, of saying incest. I was I was groping yeah. for a term. Thank you for supplying it. And there was none of that because... Yeah, particularly they... from his mom's part. His mom would have been like this. Oh, he's wearing a jacket like my husband. And, you know, suddenly, oh, this guy's pretty cute. He's, he's my type, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> there's none of that. It's just there's pain in his eyes and there's there were just two sort of grief, I don't want to say stricken, but impacted people in a bar that shared a moment. And that's, I mean, there was more than that, but there was thankfully less than that, too. I will say, talking of moments, the one scene that I was I really liked was actually uh, when Ryan Reynolds actually first sees when when he first sees his dad. When they both first see their dad, the look on Mark Ruffalo's face is he's seeing him, and he get, I love how he, he gets what's going on just by the look on his face. That whole sequence, Ryan Reynolds looking at his dad, that was just I was very impressed with that scene. Yeah, there was as I said, there was a, a lot of subtle acting for this kind of movie. I loved how Mark Ruffalo's character immediately knew that was Adam. That was his son. Yes. Mm -hmm. Even before he knew time travel existed. 
<laughs> yeah. And also, thankfully, there was no. And, and also, thankfully, there was no incest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're saving that for um, Deadpool three. The Hulk comes hard. <laughs> um, and Hulk smash. <laughs> That's what it says on his tender. And uh, Sean Levy, who directed this and directed Free Guy, will be directing the next Deadpool. So he's got an interesting batting average going so far. Pretty high. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty interested to see what the two of them do with the next Deadpool film. Anyway, that's my fascinating and irritating. Over to Scott. <laughs> okay. The fascinating thing to me was that this got made. As you say, it's not it's not action heavy at all. It's I wonder what the pitch meeting was like. I think they probably achieved enough success between Levy and uh, Ryan Reynolds that they earned a certain amount of latitude, but it, it's like Okay, it's it's a nice little film that hit all the right notes for me, but it probably sounded like crap in a meeting. In a pitch, somebody must have done some amazing tap dancing to make a studio greenlight this thing. Or it was made outside the studio system because there were a lot of production companies listed in the opening, which usually means it's financed with foreign money, and then they sell it to somebody, either to a distributor, to a studio that will distribute it, or to a streaming service, as they did here in this case. But it gave me a lot of hope i thought it was interesting that someone said yeah this is a nice story the father son the mother son all of these relationships that were unresolved i mean that's basically even that's not what he goes back in time to do he goes back in time to save the woman he loves who you get the sense when we first meet him this bitter snarky man that that's the only love in his life that he sort of closed himself off and later on the kid basically calls him on that when they're sitting in that gazebo and the kid keeps trying to snake his beer. Hmm. And he's saying, you know, you you decided to hate him for dying because it was easier than missing him. And, you know, somebody whose father died fairly young and completely suddenly, that resonated with me. I go, yeah, there are times when just it's easier to simmer in resentment than it is to suffer loss. I'm not saying it's a profound message, but it gave the film a bigger dimension for me definitely no superman for the quest for peace but still <laughs> we will never see it's like again <laughs> if we're lucky i was wondering who was the screenwriter uh there are three listed screenwriters and they are jonathan tropper t.s nolan jennifer flackett i wonder if this is a situation kind of like with goodwill hunting where the original screenplay was completely different. Well, they changed it to something else. Looks like there's there are two writer teams. So when you see that, usually means one team wrote a first draft, and then another team was brought in that the producer liked, or the director was accustomed to working with, or sometimes even the star asked to be brought on. And of course, with um, any Ryan Reynolds movie. When you say, who wrote it? Well, Ryan Reynolds wrote a bunch of his dialogue. Yeah. Because he ad-libs like crazy. And is encouraged to do so because he is a proven success at it. But yeah, I'm not I'm not terribly familiar with the, the writers. So, Oh! <laughs> I thought I knew one of them. T.S. Nolan sounded familiar. And I just looked he or she up. And uh, they wrote those Maze Runner movies. And this. Oh, some other things too, but... Uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. That's the thing. Huh? Oh, okay. Oh, oh boy. All right. Well, you know. They brought in the action. 
As somebody who wrote Frank and Fish, let me just say, we are more than the sum of our credits. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, whoever shepherded the script through the writing process, through development and actually onto screen, I assume that was Levy or whoever produced it, did a very nice job. There were not any wasted moments. There were no subplots that I wish they'd trim. There were no real loose ends dangling at the end of it. Yeah, they didn't even spend that much time with Galora, so. They didn't spend a great deal of time. She maybe would have gone with them or something, yeah. But no, she ends up sacrificing herself. Not a lot of screen time for her. No, but she she made the most of it. She gave a very lively performance, but she usually does. So I don't have an irritating thing either. If, If it was irritating, I don't think I would have watched it a second time because I know me and that's when the bitterness sets in. And then I would have just ranted for 15 minutes it was a lovely little surprise i kind of felt the same way about gunpowder milkshake expected nothing got a lot more out of it than i thought but not as much it it still was a more more of a self-consciously genre-oriented film than this fascinating for me actually this is and i don't usually do it this way but i am going this way i was really fascinated by some of the acting in this again i absolutely adored the kid and like you said talking about the little moments it's not something that you normally see in a time travel action comedy so the fact that they were able to have those moments or even get that amazing performance out of that kid you know i just i Points, bravo, all that crap. Um, again, irritating thing for me that I said it, the action scenes. Mm. Well done. I just, they just didn't need to be there. <laughs> I have one more fascinating thing. Okay. Ooh, okay. Add to the fast. Add to the fast. The, be, Very that'd quickly. be curious. The fascinating. I, I was fascinated and loved the chemistry between Jennifer Garner and uh, whoever played her son, Adam. Yes. I really, I really like that interplay. The kid's name is Walker Scoble. Walker of course it is. I had an uncle Walker. That's right, you did. Kid's got a career. Well, he's just been cast in the new Disney Plus series, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. So, seems like he's off to a good start. Now, before we go, I do want to throw one thing out to you guys. I feel like we have to talk about it. Oh. Oh, no. I do feel like it needs to be at least mentioned. We don't have to talk about it long, but I do think we do need to talk about it. And that is, of course, Star Trek The Next Generation Season 8. Wait. Huh? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Season 3. It's in Picard. It's going to be in Picard, right? For a second, you scared the living crap out of me. (laughs) Yeah, Whoopi's back there as Guinan and... Well, she's, uh, she's been back this season. I don't know if she's going to be in next season. But, yes, in case you don't know, on Star Trek Day, which was yesterday, they uh, dropped a teaser for Picard Season 3 where they announced that pretty much the entire cast of Next Gen, except for Will Wheaton, um, is coming <laughs> back. Well, I support that. I'd love to see Will Wheaton <laughs> as Wesley with a huge fluffy beard. Well, and also, I mean, hell, you know, I mean, they brought back Hugh. Wesley's become an elevated being. I still think he could be a watcher. You know, I mean, it could still happen, but I just find it. I just think it. And they also announced that these are not just going to be cameos. Um, the people are really approaching this as a true send off to next gen. Didn't they send off next gen at the end of next gen? 
Well, they did it with Nemesis, and that was a horrible film that nobody likes. And for years, people have thought that, like, Next Gen never really got a proper send-off. You know I mean? The original cast got Star Trek VI, and Nemesis just wasn't the same. I mean, that's that's not inaccurate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's not a matter of, oh, it didn't get a proper send-off. What happened was... It made a, a movie so shitty that not even the diehard fans came out for it, and then they just quit. It's not like they said, okay, this will be our last film, and we will give everybody in it the send-off they deserve. More they like, just went reboot. Yeah, exactly. They just, yeah, they dropped, dropped it like a hot potato. But I do actually think it is kind of interesting that they, they brought everyone back. And the thing that I find even more interesting on this is they've already finished filming Picard Season 3, so it's done. They were able to keep this a secret for that long? Wow. <laughs> it's funny that in the internet age, when you can't keep anything secret, how many film studios or networks are starting to get good at that? You know, I think the pandemic helped. How so? Because... People were under wraps anyway. People were doing things separate, you know, in a bubble, mm-hmm. speaking of movies. Well, I mean, Marvel Marvel gets away with a lot of stuff. I mean, they get away with just out and out lying their ass off in their and own trailers. nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. I'm concerned. They should be. All filmmakers should lie their asses off. Except J.J. Abrams because he's bad at it. Okay, yeah, that's that. That's true. That that's true. Yeah, JJ. Yeah, you you, you shouldn't lie. But everybody, everybody, if you can lie in your film, you should. I've never understood why the 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 supplication to spoiler culture. Fuck you! I'll make shit up in interviews. I have to admit that's kind of my favorite thing, is when somebody introduces something that is gaspingly crazy, but not so crazy that you can't believe it. It's nutty to the point where you think, oh, this throws my every single expectation off the t-. It's like it's it's spinning away into space. I have no idea now what's going to happen. And, you know, it, it, and you see it and it goes, oh, this is all the shit I expected to happen. That liar. I <laughs> I mean, lying credibly in, in interviews and on press junkets is an art form. And I am a connoisseur of it. Tom Holland can't do it. Some people are gifted. He's too pure. He's <laughs> too pure in spirit. <laughs> You just can't. <laughs> Pure in spirit, huh? <laughs> Ancient Chinese secret. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know where that went. That, that just went. Okay. I'm sorry. That was my fault. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just got the flashback of that commercial in my head. And and now I'm seeing nothing but <laughs> War of the Lost World and the Paper Chase guy. <laughs> Pure <laughs> spirit. <laughs> I wish I could think of something to say well, about that's that. Right. <gasps> I didn't even catch. Oh that. man! I wonder when you went right to Calgon. I thought, hmm, is she not picking up what I'm putting down? I did not pick it up. I'm One last thing, actually. Speaking of which, how are the new MSTs? They're good. Uh, I'm enjoying them. What what they are are what they're calling rough cuts. They are they literally are hastily <laughs> assembled footage. In the first two that they've released. There are sound sync problems, minor, but they're there. And the whole thing kind of has a loose feeling, which is very much in keeping with the way the show certainly was early on in in the Comedy Channel and early Comedy Central seasons. But I have a feeling they may tighten them up and re-edit them before they open the Gizmoplex to the general public in May. But right now, acknowledging that it's, it's a soft opening for the Kickstarter backers, 
I'm very impressed with, with what they're doing. They've only shown two Jonah Ray episodes so far. The new host, Emily Connor, is, I think, coming up shortly. And then I'm just sort of dying for the two episodes that Joel's going to be a part of. One he might host... Say, have, they made an, have they made an announcement as to which one Joel will be doing? I believe he will be one of three hosts for the Christmas episode that was a stretch goal called okay. called The Christmas Dragon. That's their 13th episode. And I think he's hosting one solo. I don't know what the solo movie he's hosting is. So far, I mean, these are people who know how to make MST. They have not forgotten because it, it was made during COVID. There are not a lot of physical sets. Most everything is green screen. So it's got kind of a weird flat feel, which I guess is the digital equivalent of that kit bashed a bunch of crap together with hot glue just before we shot the season feel that the early episodes had when everything was just ah ktma days ktma days and even really the first the first season on uh, the comedy channel because they were basically you know they they built the set themselves and they were filming the show in a garage in eden prairie so yeah you you know you got what you pretty much paid for they got a little bit better later on but it always had that that nice homemade feeling. that diy aesthetic yeah yeah it never it never was so slick never <laughs> so that that's another thing but when it's all digital and it's all green screen it's it's sort of it's a little distancing it's not as warm feeling as the original seasons you don't get the sense that you're just kind of hanging with a friend in a weird kit bashed living room but i think they're probably going to adjust that as they go on assuming there's a, another season after this and I guess that depends upon how much interest there is in the uh, Gizmoplex. It is, after all, a streaming service with just one show. In fact, my I think yeah, interesting if they keep that going. My friend David Goodman, who's an old MST fan, going for way back, we met on the old uh, AOL MST 3K boards, and he was saying he read somewhere that someone was complaining about that very thing that it was a it's a streaming service with just one show. Now I don't know. You can subscribe to a season. Or you can buy episodes a la carte. So that's already different than most of the streaming services. But yeah, there are a lot of them. And as they continue to populate the internet, it's harder and harder for new ones to find audiences. And certainly nothing commensurate with what the, the early adopters have. The Netflix and, I mean, even Disney is kind of in a knife fight with Netflix. And Paramount Plus, or no, is it Paramount Plus? Whatever it is. They're really pushing the Star Trek down our throats after yes. years of having none of it. Now we're getting Strange New Worlds, and we're getting another Picard, and we're getting possibly the uh, Section 31 show, which I'm excited about. But they're really trying to have Star Trek jumpstart their their audience numbers the way the Marvel shows did for Disney+. And of course, Disney has a huge, deep bench of all the Disney product. So that was always going to succeed to a point, but without the Marvel shows creating the buzz, it, it wouldn't be anything close to what it is now. I mean, people would not be the million dollar duck or Herbie goes bananas or the apple dumpling gang or whatever is in the Disney vault would not be trending weekly on Twitter. You know, that takes WandaVision that takes Moon Knight. So I, I, I think, I think MST is just, it has a chance to succeed as its own little weird niche corner of the internet. You okay? Yeah, I'm sorry. I got oh, a bug flew right into my mouth. Oh. Yeah. Just like just like Marlon Brando in like Apocalypse River. Now. No, I was thinking of River 
in uh, Serenity. Uh, that was her terrible thing. I swallowed a bug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, and also, I will ask you this real fast. Have you guys watched Moon Knight? Yes. We, we watched the, no, we watched the first episode. We're, yes. Okay. Because we rewatched okay. The Atom Project, we have not seen the second episode. We're going to see that tonight. Yep. Okay. And what, did you think of, what did you think look. of the first episode? Scary, creepy, suspenseful, confusing, all the things funny. I wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah, I was I it was pretty cool. Okay. Okay, you said you're watching episode 2 tonight? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Good, good, good. We'll we'll, we'll 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 talk after you watch 2. Although apparently from what I've heard the one to hold out for is once again episode 4. Hmm. They've done it again. Apparently, episode, like as several people have said, episode four is the game changer. It f- almost feels deliberate by this point, doesn't it? Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. It could very well. Hey, hey it's the Marvel way. Hmm. It's the Marvel way. <laughs> this is the way. Okay, at least they got a plan. It's like it's like uh, Fred Ward keeps saying in Tremors, which we also rewatched the other night. You got to have a plan. <laughs> And on that note, Mrs. C, thank you. Scott, thank you. Coming soon, something else.